Well, morning, church. Um, I did that on purpose. I'm going to just surprise Don because he said I, my first word is going to be morning saints. <laughs> so I'll, I'll fall back into the normal tradition. Morning saints. It's always a privilege to come and minister here. I love coming to, to Harvest and just the relationship we've built um, over the years. Um, Lord has been so good and faithful to us. Um, like Yena said, um, you know, we've been really been blessed um, in Chikutu. Uh, the Lord's looked after us. Um, what I'm going to be sharing earlier this morning is basically what I'll be, we've been going through the last couple of months. Um, very challenging, a lot of trials um, that we faced. Um, and you'll see through the word how the Lord just ministered to us. Um, but yeah, like Ian has also shared that we've taken over the Vineyard Church. We were privileged um, to be asked by Sue Mullins. She went to the UK. Um, basically couldn't just survive in Chiguti anymore. Um, our church membership uh, is 15, <laughs> and that's including the children. And so uh, just on a, the ties and everything that was coming to the church, um, she couldn't survive. So she applied to go overseas, and she managed to get a position in, in the UK in the church that she's taken over there, Vineyard Church. Um, but the Lord showed us two years ago that we were going to take over the church. Um, so the Lord prepared our hearts. And then when she approached us, um, she basically like, you really are not shocked. We said, well, the Lord's really prepared us that this is going to happen. And, um, and we took over in, in August, basically in, well, in July, we, we took over, but I was in South Africa at the conference, um, and Sue was still around until August. And then basically from the first September, we took over the church. And um, God's been faithful. Um, dearest, uh, with, even when Sue was there, we started the, the children's ministry in the church. There was no children's ministry. We started with our two boys, and then another boy came, um, Kuda. There were three boys, um, and then it grew. Now, you know, Dura's been so faithful and so good with the children. I think we over 30 children now, you know. So, <laughs> so I think Dura shared as well that, you know, one of the children um, has been coming through another organization. Um, coming to the Sunday school and, you know, Dura is so creative and what she imparts to the children, they really enjoy it and they take a message home and um, this child said, um, well, because it's now school holidays coming up, I'm going to get my parents to come to church. So that's what it's all about, you know, so the children will bring their parents and who knows, they'll give their lives to the Lord. Um, so we honor God for that. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to 1 Peter 1. Verse 1 to 8. I'm going to be skipping some verses, but... <laughs> 1 Peter 1. I'm going to read the first portion of verse 1, and then I'm going to skip some verses, and then go to verse 3. To God's elect strangers in the world scattered... And again, just the emphasis there, you can just pick up strangers um, in the world. In verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer great grief in all kinds of trials. 
These have come so that your faith of greater worth of gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even, you, even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. And so this morning I want to share with you the joy of the Lord. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed that sometimes trouble comes in batches. Life can go on smoothly for a while, and then all of a sudden, bang, you just hit with all kinds of problems and troubles. Things just go wrong. Not just one thing, but several things at once, and that's what I've been experiencing the last couple of months. When things started to go wrong for us, it just, everything just came at once. And, you, and I thought, what hit me? You know, and, I, and sometimes we, we ask those questions, what is going on? And, you know, so things don't always go as we planned. The truth is no one sails through life without storms. Trouble is something we all have to deal with. We're living in this world. We're going to be facing troubles. A military chaplain had this sign on his door. It says, if you have troubles, come and tell me about them. If you don't, come in and tell me how you do it. Good point. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 6 it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. And I want you to notice that phrase that says, you have to enjoy many trials. Not maybe, you will be going to face many trials. And so what kind of hardship was Peter talking about? Peter's writing to believers who are going through very hard times. And those hard times are caused in large part because they were Christians. No matter where our tough time comes from, Peter's message offers insights to all who are facing hardship. I mean, what do you do when you are faced with sicknesses? What do you do when you are facing with problems? Maybe pain. How do you deal with a habit that is messing up your life, but you can't break its grip on your life? And so when Peter begins his letter, he does not express how sorry he is that life can be so hard. Instead, he gives praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he adds, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Notice how Peter talks about being truly glad and about a wonderful joy in the midst of serious hardship. And so the question I want to maybe try and answer today is, what reasons does Peter give to back up such gladness and joy? Why can Christ followers still find reason for joy when tough, when times are very tough. And so the first insight I want to give you to capture joy in tough times is that God reminds us that we are only passing through. Remember I said to you we are strangers in the first verse I read? We are strangers. This world is not our home. And so we will face difficulties. And, and, it's to be a, and it is great to be a Christian now because you know that you have been forgiven. You do not have to live with regrets. And you know that your life is significant. God has given your life meaning and purpose. And that's what we're going to believe in each one of ourselves, that we've got a purpose. We are not just here by mistake. But what is our purpose that God wants us to fulfill? 
And it, is, and it is great to be a Christian because God is with us and He has adopted each one of us. You know, the scripture is also very clear where He, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And it's a scripture that comes from the Old Testament going into the New Testament where He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And remember Joshua taking over from Moses and He said to him, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus gave the same words to His disciples. I will never leave you or forsake you. We've got to believe those words. And trust in His Word that He will never leave us or forsake us, especially when we're going through difficult times and trials in our, in our lives. And the second insight to capture joy in tough times is that God reassures us with a living hope. And in verse 3, it says, God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And God wants your life to be immersed in hope. And I think like Ian was saying, there's a lot of our youth, and not only in Chiguti, but I think throughout this nation and, and nations have lost hope. And, um, and it's sad to see that because you know, every student that I bring in with our project, um, when I ask them for you know, the personal time of prayer, and I said, what prayer do you need? And they all just say, uh, a job. And I'm just like, what is your passion? What is it that you want to accomplish in life? And you can see they're hitting a blank because they've never gone further than living for every day. And then it's hard, because they're trying to survive every day through the circumstances we're all facing today, but with some people that are, don't even have food. And I think the tea that we offer them in the mornings is, is the only substance that they can get for, for the day. And, um, and so it's sad to, to see that. And then you try and encourage them, and, you know, and when you go through the scriptures and we, we build in the, into the course into them, is that you've got a purpose. God has got a plan and a purpose for each one of you. What is, that? what is your identity? Who are you? What is it you want to accomplish? What has God put inside of you, that seed, that He wants that to grow into your life? And then, you, then when you start to get that into, into their hearts and into their minds and into their spirit, things start to change. That's why a cause is called Shanduku. Transformation starts to take place when they start to understand who they are in Christ. And, and so we all have that hope because of what Jesus accomplished for each one of us. What is the opposite of living hope? And I think this world is offering it. It is false hope. And they're trying to give hope to people and people are grabbing onto it. And, and, we, and we see with our youth as well, there's so much addiction on alcohol, drugs, and sex that there's nothing else that is being offered to them. And so they've got this false hope that they're holding onto it, saying, well, well, we're still having a good time. Well, let's, let's do this. And I think every time when we say, well, I hope to see you soon, we're not really sure we're going to see that person or not. True? So we sometimes lose our own hope in ourselves because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we use these words, well, I hope to see you, but we're really not sure whether those plans will succeed or not. But the living hope that you have is because you are a believer and it's based on not on wishful plans. Our hope is anchored in the resurrection of Christ. The anchor symbolizes not wishful thinking, but a hope that is rooted, accomplished, and guaranteed in history. In Colossians 1 verse 27, for them God make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Jesus gives us that hope. And the third insight to capture joy in tough times is that God redeems me for an incorruptible glory. 
Because in verse 4 he says, God has given us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. What does this mean? It means that your inheritance in a city whose maker and builder is God is incorruptible. And we know what we are facing in this world. It's not in our nation, but in nations where we just can't trust systems anymore. But we can trust God. And the fourth insight to capture joy in the tough times is that God refines me for genuine faith. And in verse 7 it says, These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested in fire, tests and purifies gold. And your faith is much more precious to, to God than gold. Notice what Peter says. He says, when trials come, it is an occasion for us to reflect on how we can trust God more in it and through it. God refines each one of us. Why? Why does he do that? Well, to build true faith within each one of us. That's what God values is the faith that's being built inside of us. And he's building our character as well at the same time when he strengthens our faith. And James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are involved in various trials. He does not say if. He says when. That means we are going to face those trials. Somewhere along our lives we're going to face difficulties. And we as Christians sometimes naively think that if we obey the Lord, we will be spared from any trials. And when trials hit us, we are confused. And we often get angry at God. Well, God, I was following you. Why did you allow this to happen in my life? I'm sure we've used those words before. But the Bible gives us abundant testimony that all of God's saints encounter trials. And these trials are not necessarily the consequences of disobedience. But God uses them to test our faith. The choice is, will I trust God? And in his promises or not. And as James says, it is our faith that is being tested. We do not know of our faith is genuine until it stands up under the test. Now imagine if I had to, if we had to buy an waterproof jacket. And we say, well, this, this jacket is great. But until that jacket is tested, until we go maybe into the rain or we, we put it under water and we see that it, it is actually waterproof, then we can say that jacket is great because it's been tested. And it's the same with our faith. Until our faith has been tested, we can say our, our faith is growing and our faith is great. And it's easy to say, I trust in God. Anybody can say that. But the test of our, of, of our faith is when you really do choose to trust God in severe trials. Afterwards, you know that your faith is genuine because it brought you through the trial. Tough times make people either bitter or better. In most instances in life, what is most important in life is not what trials you face, but how you face them. So we need to make a choice. Do we want to become better or better? And one of the most important lessons in life is to realize that God has given us the ability to choose how to respond through tough times. And the last insight to capture joy in tough times is that God replenishes me with an inexpressible joy. And in verse 8 it says, Even now you are happy with a glorious inexpressible joy. And it's interesting to see this word now. That means today. This day, this date, 
on this moment of your life, even now, we can have this glorious, inexpressible joy in our lives. And God wants to remind each one of us that we can have this joy. This joy is not just reserved for, for heaven. It is for us today. All of us that are being born again, that we have this living hope, we can have this joy. And Peter, and Peter says, even now, And I want to encourage each one of you, God will honor your faith if you trust Him. And I know maybe this week we might face challenges. But maybe what I want to encourage you to do is that choose joy even now. As Peter said, choose joy. And I wanted to lay that foundation because I'm going to share what, what happened with us in Chigutu. And the Lord gave me so many things I wanted to share this morning, um, but I just didn't know because of time it would be very difficult. Um, everything I went through, all the trials I've been facing, I had a, I had a sermon and I was sharing it with the, um, the folk at the vineyard. And um, again, the, when we bought the house, how God just came through for us on that house, um, we just give Him all the honor and glory. And um, we originally wanted to buy the house, to, I think it was also about two years ago. Um, we just approached uh, the family, Elsie um, uh, Gibson it was staying in the house. She was an elderly lady, and we knew the house was in the market. And we approached her and said, listen, we're showing interest. She said, well, speak to my son-in-law, he's in charge of everything. So we spoke to Darren and Edna. And, um, so we said we basically want to pay the house off. She can stay in the house. We just wanted to start paying off an investment. Um, she didn't have to pay us rent or anything like that. And they sort of like said, no, that's a good idea. But when I approached her, she panicked and thought that she was going to be put into an old age home. And um, so the family decided to take the house out of the market. And we said, that's okay. And then um, sadly, this year in February, um, Elsie passed away. And then the family approached us and said, we want to give you the first option. But uh, the price that we originally talked about and the price that they offered to us was, uh, was, was what, 40,000 US dollars higher. Then we, I'm like, okay. And then they said to us, listen, you have to pay uh, once a lump sum of money, you can't pay it off. Um, because it's gonna go into an estate. And um, I was like, okay, that's me out of the equation. But I could never get around to messaging Darren to saying, uh, you know, um, find somebody else. We, we, we're not really, uh, I can't afford to do this. And, and I think I shared with you last time when I was here, the Lord gave me a scripture like three o'clock in the morning and in Psalm 37, it says, trust me. And, um, and, I, and then eventually he goes down further into the verse seven and he says, wait patiently on me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that patiently, we waited five years patiently for our boys. Um, it, was not, it, was, it was not easy. And I'm like, this patiently, like, yeah, I know I'm gonna be tested on this. Um, and I just said to Deirdre that I need to stand on this word. This is a promise God has given me. And then I messaged, eventually started to negotiate um, uh, with Darren. Um, and we came to eventually an agreement. We got the price down. We had an evaluation done, um, got the price down. Then we approached a trust in South Africa to say, please, can you help us to, to get a loan so that we can pay it off because we can't go to a bank because <laughs> we don't earn a salary. And... Um, and the trust basically um, couldn't help us in South Africa. And I'm like, okay, I'm holding on to what God gave me. And he, and he gave me that promise. And I'm like, Lord, I'm trusting you. 
And through this, we, we've got also an intercessors group in, in South Africa praying for us, and my sister's part of that. And then we reported back and saying, well, the trust can't help us. And then my sister came and said, um, let me speak um, uh, to my brother-in-law, and let's see how we can help you guys. And what my sister and my brother-in-law did, they put money away. Um, they ran a business in South Africa, but they put money away. And they never came to agreement um, on the money that was put away. Because my sister wanted to do an offshore investment, and my brother-in-law wanted to buy property in Cape Town for, for retirement. And they didn't have that agreement. And when they spoke about you know, trying to help us with the house, that's the only time they came into agreement. And so my brother-in-law phoned me and he said, um, you guys are involved in the kingdom. He says, I can't take my properties with me, um, but we want to help you with the loan. And, um, and, <laughs> and, so, and so the loan came through and, and it also had to be paid um, in the UK. Um, and yeah, we had to find various ways, but eventually we, they went through the bank and the money could be transferred. Um, and so the money got transferred and my brother-in-law also said to me, um, we're not going to charge you interest. And so what we're paying back every month, and he says, whatever you can pay back, you pay back. You know, so we just licked it to the, to the US dollar rate. So he's not losing on his rent. He probably would lose on the interest that he would have had in the bank. But on the value of the money, he's, he, he's not going to lose at all. And uh, we just honor God for that. And that's how God came through for us. You know? so, um, and so we basically moved to, to the house um, in September. Um, and yeah, we were just so overjoyed what we were receiving. And it's a, it's a, it's a massive house, four-bedroom house, big yard. Um, I think, I um, can't remember if anybody I can see has been to the house, um, but it's massive. Um, please, guys, you're welcome to come in and see it. <laughs> it's a beautiful house in Jagutu. And like Ian said, you know, who would want to buy a house in Jagutu? And, and the Lord told us and, and that, you know, we're going to be established in, in, in Jagutu because of the project and because of the church as well. We committed to the church. And when we moved, um, wow, man, it, it, that's when the pauper hit the fan, you know. It's, <laughs> Um, everything was just going wrong at the house. We had to fix so many things in the, in the house. Um, and every day I was, I was doing the project, I was teaching, and I would come home in the afternoon, I would be fixing something. Every day I was fixing something, and I'm like, I was getting tired of this. And then um, it was about probably three weeks ago, um, we came to Arari, and then we, uh, we went back that Monday, and that Monday, uh, on Tuesday, Isaiah got sick, um, and so Deirdre said to me, where's the vanity case? I said, no, I haven't seen it. She said, I'm sure I've, I've, I've unpacked it. She said, well, maybe we left it uh, in NJ's house, phoned SJ, and she's like, I've searched the house, there's nothing here. And um, so I had to go to, 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 uh, to get some medicine for, for Isaiah. That was on Tuesday um, afternoon. Um, and then Tuesday evening, we, we've got a home group uh, Bible study at the house. Um, so we, the guys came around. And um, it was around about seven o'clock, and we got a little Jack Russell at the door, and, and he ran into the house barking, and, and so I went and chased him out. You know, I saw a curtain like blowing, so he, was, he was barking at the curtain. So I chased him out. The next morning, I'm looking for my wallet, can't find my wallet, and I'm like, ah. and then and then the gardener comes, says, you know, I found this outside by your window. It was a torch and, and some uh, packet, uh, medicine package. And I realized that was on my cabinet by the window in my bedroom. And I just put two and two together that somebody came in to the house. 
And so they not only stole my wallet, they stole my uh, laptop for the project as well. And um, when I wanted to print certificates that week and all my material, my backup was on a memory stick which was inside the case. Um, so I'm like, yeah. And I was fighting with the Lord. I said, Lord, yeah, we're doing Bible study for you. Why is there no protection here? You know, I'm like, seriously. And, and it was hard. Um, and then we realized that Monday night, what was happening is that they came in and stole the vanity case through the window and came back to Tuesday night uh, while we were having a Bible study. And um, we looked at the next, uh, like I said, morning, and we saw they, was, we had a, like a 1.5 meter hedge, like a fence with, with a hedge in it. So they just climbed through the hedge over the fence. And so our security wasn't good uh, on, on the property. And then on that Sunday evening, Gideon was studying to write for exams for Junisa, and she was going to come and write the exams on Monday. And then she was sitting in the dining room, and um, she just heard something outside. And when she opened the curtains, two guys were standing by the window. Um, it was a bit of a shock for her, and um, I just ran out. Um, by that time, I heard them climb over th uh, by the pedestrian uh, gate, and I was just, I was so mad. I'm, uh, you know, there's three times in, in one week that they came back, and they were like, um, they were quite cheeky, you know, to even to try and do that. And I was really mad at God. I'm like, God, you know, what is going on here? And, and one thing the Lord said to me, because prior to that week, um, before the robbery took place, at our project, we, had, we started with rabbits and chickens, um, and my rabbits got stolen. <laughs> so I brought the, the rabbits that was left, I brought them to, to, to the house, but I was so furious, I'm like, I, I just loaded the, the rabbits up, and, um, and I was just like, Lord, I don't understand why, you know, I'm, I'm, this project is to help the people to, you know, to feed themselves, and now this happens to us as well. And um, so when this theft was happening, I was fighting with the Lord. I said, Lord, we had to serve you. You know, where is your protection? You know, Lord, I need you. <laughs> um, and then the Lord said something to me, and it just dropped into my spirit, and he says, where is your joy? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, God, can't you see what I'm going through here? And he says, where is your joy? I'm like, all right. And then one afternoon, and uh, I decided to, to cut the, the lawn, and, and, you know, my, and my back was just giving me a lot of hassles over the last couple of uh, weeks. And even, you know, usually during the late afternoon, I'd feel the pain in my back. And, um, but this was like happening when I get up in the morning, right through the day, I was just having constant pain um, throughout the day. I had to sit quite frequently during the day. And I said, well, I'm going to cut the lawn. And so I got the lawnmower out, and I'm pushing the lawnmower, but my back is like killing me. And I'm like... And I started to sing a song that I remembered when I, when I grew up. Um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is... So I'm pushing it along my... And I'm singing it along. And then I hit a patch, which is a, a, a dry patch, bah, into my face. I'm like... <laughs> the joy of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, carry on. I'm like... Lord, are you serious? Look at this. You know, the joy of the Lord. And it comes to a part where this, you're singing a song and it says, ha, 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 ha. I'm like, ha, ha. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, ha, ha. I'm so, okay, so I started laughing at myself now because I hit this passion. I'm whinging and everything to God. And he says, where's your joy? And I, and I, I set myself a goal. I'm saying, half of the garden, that's where I'm going to cut the lawn. And guess what, guys? I finished that. I didn't even focus on the pain of my back because I was focusing on the joy of the Lord. And the, the scripture is very clear. It says it's His joy. A lot of times we're trying to create our own joy, but it's His joy that comes into us. And I said, Lord, I, I need more of your joy. And through this trial is what we were going through, and especially at the property, um, 
I'm saying, Lord, I need your joy. And then the generator packed up. I'm like, and I can't pump water because I need the generator. And it's a three-phase uh, uh, borehole, and it's a three-phase uh, for the for the pool. And um, and I had to work. And I had a, I had a single-phase uh, generator, but, um, but I, so I could have lights at night. But I couldn't pump the water. So uh, okay, we have to wait for Zessa. So Zessa comes at 10 o'clock. I pump the water. So I leave it on until 5 o'clock. Then my tank is full. But then we had a Zessa fault. And it was like, for two nights, we didn't have Zessa. <laughs> so our water is now going down in the tank. I'm like, Lord, are you serious? Come on, I know we have Zessa problems, but surely you can just get it to fix so we can have water at night. Eventually, I got the generator fixed, but I was just fighting with the Lord. And he just kept on reminding me, where is your joy? Don't allow the enemy to come and steal from your joy. And I want to encourage each one of us. We all are going to face trials. We are going to face difficulties. I mean, your cues here and fuel is probably just as bad as what ours is um, in, in, in Djibouti. You don't want to get in a queue because of just the corruption is taking place. You know, and people just jumping queues. Um, I get so frustrated. I'm again, I fight with the Lord. I said, Lord, you know we need petrol. You know, and now we're going to get in this queue. Look at what is, what's happening here. And he just kept on saying to me, where is your joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> I, I had to keep on singing that because I had to remind myself, and, and the Lord said to me, who is in control? Even though your circumstances change, who is in control? And, and, and Deirdre came up with, you know, she said, well, look at Paul and Silas. You know, they went to prison. They did a deliverance on somebody and they got thrown into prison. And yeah, they were sitting in prison and they were praising the Lord. Their circumstances changed. But the relationship with the Lord never changed. And I think all that what the enemy wants us to do is to come to get us separated from God and saying, where is your God now? Look what's happening. And through all of this, and this is where I want to honor God. And I got a phone call um, from Ian <laughs> through this church. You guys have supplied us a dura wall. <laughs> been paid for and it's been erected. It's up. And I just want to honor Ian and the eldership uh, for making a decision and supporting us. And now we've got security. Um, and not only that, you guys have blessed us with a new laptop as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I just give God all the honor and the glory. You see, I first had to get into the joy of the Lord. A lot of times we want things God to do something for us, then we, will have, we say we're going to have the joy. It doesn't work that way. We've got to get the joy of the Lord in, in our lives and, and start to experience and live it out. Then we'll see God come through. Because he's going to remember, we, we read the scriptures early on, he's going to test our faith. Are we really trusting him? Or are we just trusting our instincts, our own plans? Because we, we, we're quick to make a plan in this country. We do that. And it might be good, it might be bad. But we, sometimes we, we leave God out of the equation. And all I want to encourage you this morning is, if God can do it for us, He can do it for you. And so we've been blessed, like with that security that's come up, um, the general wall's up, um, we've got a, a laptop, we've got for the, for the project, and then a trust in South Africa, um, heard it, what we were going through, and we're at the moment trying to, uh, just to order it. They, they're supplying us uh, beams for outside the house for security, so we've been blessed with that as well. So that's God. And... Um, and so we just want to honor God uh, through this. Um, he's a faithful God. And all I can say to you, while we went through these trials, um, I had to learn 
to draw near to him. Because the scripture says, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. It's a promise. It's a promise. And, um, and I can just say my life was, and I'm still struggling sometimes, in, in, like I say, again, with the fuel cues and that. Um, I struggle. I really struggle. But I've got to keep on saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I remember Johan went with Deirdre in a fuel queue, and Deirdre's very vocal. So she'll, she'll start shouting, and somebody comes and pushes in front of her. And, um, and she, she saw somebody's pushing in her, and he's like, you're not going to get in here. And so uh, Jan sticks his head out the window. And they uko. You've got to be careful what you say in front of our boys. You know, it's like, they, they'll take it on as well. But even with our boys, you know, we spend time with them and we pray. And, and they see how God is coming through. And their faith is being built up as well. And I want to say to you, what doesn't matter what you struggle in life, share it with your, 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 your spouse, especially with us as men. We sometimes so, so much pride in our lives. We say, I want to try and fix this. And, and, and I just had to spend time. And Jen and I, we spend time in prayer um, to be there for one another. And with her difficulties she was facing, and with all the, I mean, she was given a position at school, at Brighton School, a pookie class, and she's doing a triple zero. Something we never asked, but it came across her, her path. And um, she did a great job with the kids. They had a gala on Friday, and I mean, the kids just love her. You know, they don't want to swim with any other teacher, but they want to swim with Auntie D. So um, it's just a relationship. But, you know, share your problems. And if you even struggling to a place where you don't know who to talk to, I mean, we've got, you've got the best elders here, um, best leadership here. Go and speak to them. Or speak to somebody. Get counseling. But get to God is the main key that I want to encourage you with. He is faithful. We can, like I said, He will never leave us or forsake us. Trust Him. Trust Him. He is in control. Even though everything looks like a mess, He is in control. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Ian.